my own experience, it's, you may know this, but somewhere between 80 to 90% of pastors have never been discipled. So when you talk about discipleship, they automatically kind of do the pass the ball into uh, the education department. And so it really begins with the spiritual leaders of our flocks. And I say that with tremendous compassion, with no judgment whatsoever. But but many of the pastors that I know will tell me that. I, one time in Saskatoon, um, Saskatchewan, I was speaking and a group of 60, 65 pastors, and we were talking about discipleship. And about halfway through, all, all I'm seeing is the top of their heads because they're sitting like this and they weren't sleeping. <laughs> and so I, I said, hey, can you guys all look up here? And I just kind of gave the big time out sign. And I said, like, what's going on? And like some 58 year old pastor says, I don't like what I'm hearing because I'm realizing as a young guy in ministry, nobody ever told me about making disciples. Hello, everyone. Dennis Allen with The Disciple Dilemma. We've got a disciple maker with us today, somebody who lives and breathes this stuff. So we are looking for some great answers. Dave Buring with Lion Cheer joins us. Dave's been in the trenches when it comes to discipleship. He's been a pastor. Dave's also been a missionary around the world with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. So he's been in the trenches. He knows how this plays out and how it works with individuals and organizations. And today he's talking with Raymond and I about the challenges, issues, and the hope for a better way to make disciples. So let's listen as Dave joins us today and gives us some tips, thoughts, and biblical perspective on making disciples. Dave Buren, we're really amped to have you with us today on The Disciple Dilemma. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my privilege. Looking forward to chatting with you guys. And always, I'm just thrilled to have Raymond Monroe here making better out of what I just never seem to get right. Raymond, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis, for those kind remarks. They're so unusual for you to give me those kind of remarks. What's the raw material of the Christian that you're encountering like today with respect to discipleship? Uh, that's a great question, and one that I... Um, I'm constantly monitoring, and I have some people that are smarter than me in some of those categories that I have to say, help me understand the difference here between, you know, a millennial and a Gen Z, and because they really do relate differently. And um, I, I am a guy that's pretty simple in my belief, though, that if you're willing to walk in good relationships, you can relate to anybody, anytime. And I've watched that for years to be true. But the raw material I think that we're getting, Dennis, is um, something Henry Blackaby said to me several years ago, he said, this is the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of our country. Dave, you're saying these are leaders with YWAM, and you're feeling like you're dealing with um, a gap compared to the leaders you were dealing with a few years ago. Yes, and and it's... um. um you know, leaders like the group I was addressing last week would be like YWAM leaders in training. So they don't have kind of broad responsibility, but they have some smaller responsibilities. And yeah, and, and it's just across the board. It's like if I'm in a, a young adult group, um, particularly that's made up of late teens and 20s, it's a it's a constant theme. As we start, um, like I was up in Pittsburgh mm, about a month ago now, and I spent about two and a half hours with a group of 20s and 30s, about probably 40 of them. And, um, you know, the more that you're getting up into the 28, 29s, into the 30s, there's a little bit of a turn, a little bit more of you could tell they've been around or they'd been discipled. So there was greater grounding. But um, it is it is remarkable to me. And, and when Henry said that to me, I thought, OK, I need to note that. 
And I would say I doing some youth discipleship stuff for many years from like the the early 80s on, I could benchmark from say mid 80s to mid 90s to, you know, 2005 to 2015, about every 10 years, there is lesser working knowledge of the scriptures. There's no doubt about that. Beyond evangelism and apologetics, which most Christians believe is the heart of discipleship, how much of our whole life is really discipleship and how much is discipleship an aspect of the community of believers rather than the evangelistic outreach of the church? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, like when I think about this in broader terms, I, I agree, definitely the apologetics and some of those things are so needed. When it comes to discipleship for me, I always view the scriptures, the life of Jesus and the role of the Holy Spirit. That is the that's our source, right, for truth and for walking in things. But but the language that I have found ourselves using is when we like when I define a disciple maker, I define disciple making as reproducing the character, ways, and mission of Jesus in those around you, expecting them to reproduce the same in others. So it's the, those three things. It's like, like, I think where we can miss it is we can also get like, like, there's no doubt we need to have a major working knowledge of the word, but, but what is it actually that needs to be imparted? And what needs to be imparted grounded from the word is helping people to look more like Jesus, which is his character. How do we help people's character when times get tough or when we're dealing with tough topics reflect the life of Jesus? If we're going to make something happen in a local body of believers, then Dave, we're asking you as the know-all, do-all expert here, you're going to give us the 30-second answer. We're looking for this. We're counting on this, right? Lightning round. Wow. Silver bullet, yeah. (laughs) What we want to know is, is it possible to transform the entire body of a local community of church, or do you have to start with a triage movement inside the church first? In other words, are you the renegade, or are you the grand poobah who declares and away we go. What's your general answer there, doctor? Yeah, no, there's no doctor there. (laughs) I like for me, when, if I'm talking with a pastor and they're asking me, how do I start? I'll say, well, how can we help you? How can I help you? um, You know, out of a dignity piece to feel several steps ahead. How can I help you? But then I always challenge them to look for two things. The first one is, okay, how are you going to begin to get your leaders discipled? Because if they don't get this, you're just not moving very far. So, so there's that side. But the other side is I will say this to them. I want you to consider in your flock, outside of your leadership team, whoever that's made up of, who are the hungry of heart? Start there. And it might not be the people you wish would be in, but find those people that when you raise that flag of who would really like to dramatically grow spiritually and begin with them. And what and so if I know they're dealing with leaders on this side, <clears throat> excuse me, and the hungry of heart on this side, and then one of the things I'll say is don't announce this, but in your mind, plan maybe the third Sunday of every month is discipleship testimony Sunday. And you always build in five minutes, 10 minutes 
for someone from this group and this group to come up and say, Hey man, you know, I've had a bitter relationship with my dad for, I can't tell you how many years I, I've gone through this chapter and seen in the scriptures about forgiveness and God did a work in me. And you guys need to pray for me. Cause when I go home for Christmas, I'm having a conversation to make some things right with my dad, you know, and you begin to have people share testimony. Here's what happens. People go, they come up and go like, what, what class is that? I don't see anything like what, can I do that next time? And it's an attraction model that causes there to be, it causes the things within people who maybe weren't hungry of heart to become hungry of heart. And then it's like, that's where I'll say, and so you better be prepared to have these leaders and these hungry of heart be ready to multiply groups that you could begin to funnel that next group of hungry people into, you know, the multiplication part of the discipleship is the, is part of the missing ingredient I had a pastor not long ago tell me, Dave, I've discipled really well, but I made a fatal mistake. And I said, what was that? And he said, the bottom line is I never taught them how to reproduce so they don't know how. And I said, well, you modeled it for them. He said, no, I know I did, but I didn't help them launch their own discipleship group. And that's oftentimes where the breakdown comes. So I think, Dennis, in answer to your question, it's it's we've got to help churches begin to find ways to disciple leaders, to disciple the hungry of heart, and let the games begin. Folks, we're talking with Dave Buring, who is the founder of Lion Share, a former YWAM missionary, a guy who's been in the trenches in the churches, and now he's working with a lot of people to try to be a disciple maker. You're seeing on the screen his book, Making Disciple Makers, and when we come back, we want to deep dive that with Dave. Thanks for listening. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back. We're talking with Dave Bury with Lion Share. Raymond and I are trying to explore some of the challenges that a man who's committed to making disciples is facing in the world and the way he's approaching going after what Jesus expects us to make of these disciples in the world. So Dave, here's my question for you, right? In a, a disciple maker's journey, right? Your book is talking about culture. I was looking at page 300, 304, somewhere like that. Folks, you can see a copy of the book on the screen right now. And you talk about the culture of disciple making. And I'm curious, what are you seeing in the cultures of the local bodies of Christ that you're wandering through? You see a lot of them. What's it like out there? Uh, my own experience, it's, you may know this, but somewhere between 80 to 90% of pastors have never been discipled. So when you talk about discipleship, they automatically kind of do the pass the ball into uh, the education department. And so it really begins with the spiritual leaders of our flocks. And I say that with tremendous compassion, with no judgment whatsoever. But but many of the pastors that I know will tell me that. I One time in Saskatoon, um, Saskatchewan, I was speaking and a group of 60, 65 pastors, and we were talking about discipleship. And about halfway through, all, all I'm seeing is the top of their heads because they're sitting like this and they weren't <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> and so I, I said, hey, can you guys all look up here? And I just kind of gave the big time out sign. And I said, like, what's going on? And like some 58 year old pastor says. I don't like what I'm hearing because I'm realizing as a young guy in ministry, nobody ever told me about making disciples. And then the next guy saying I, nobody's ever told me this. Like I've been spending the last 20 years of my life trying to start churches and I start them, but then I wonder why are they not maturing and growing and multiplying? 
And, and so I could, this is where the conversation was going. So I just said, can I submit a thought? And they said, yeah. I said, how about we all stand up right now? And can I lead us in a prayer of repentance? And let's own that we have missed this. And man, you guys, the Lord just showed up and repentance. And we said, how about we all agree to draw a line right now and step over that line and say, okay, from this day forward, making disciples is part of what I do. Okay, now, Dave, come on, just come on for a minute. This is Saskatoon. <laughs> Those guys don't have a clue what they're doing, right? But we're talking about America. We're talking about the United States. <laughs> out, man. Tell me the stories. I want to hear the wonderful stories about Christian culture in America. Yeah, so, you know, the, the reality is we're dealing with, I think, spiritual leaders haven't been discipled. Therefore, it's not being passed on. I continue to find that, um, you know, the lack of discipleship over generations now we're reaping um a change of values in church so i always view values as which you know what you value give your best time your best efforts and your resources to and because we don't value discipleship it's not a part of most most churches priorities at all it's it's like sometimes again when i am invited to speak and i talk talk about this the leaders of the church, not just the people, but the leaders will look at me like I got three heads. Like, what are you talking about? They just, you know, I also feel like we're dealing with, um, you know, the issue of time. Uh, people, uh, it's like the way our culture is run right now in our local church cultures as well. Our time is so full that we don't know what to prioritize. And so then we're in survival mode. And so because we're in survival mode, you know, you don't usually prioritize, you know, big picture things. It's just the immediate what's in front. I got to get my kid to baseball practice. I got to go home and take out the garbage. I got to go walk the dog, you know, and, and there's not stepping back and, okay, but what, what's really the big picture here that we're missing? Uh, you guys have probably used this analogy before the big rock. Like if you have little rocks, sand and water, and you got to put them in a jar, the only way to get it in is you got to start with the big rock. And for me, the big rock is disciple making. And if we don't have that as a centerpiece of what we're doing, we miss it. Um, the, the other thing, Dennis, I would add into this, which is a ramification I think we all see in our Western culture is massive distractions. How do we move? How does your discipleship, our discipleship yeah. effort, get adults to change the culture within the church so we're raising young people with a heart of love for service to others. Well, and I think that's the catch. And, and Dennis probably caught a little of this with me when we were at the National Disciple Making Forum. Um, like in my world, it's like a lot of my time is spent mobilizing 40s to 70s to disciple 20s and 30s. And I got to tell you, it's it's a it's an uphill task because most 40s and 70s have not been discipled. And they either don't get it or they just count themselves out. And so something that we're creating uh, that we launched this summer to help 20s and 30s get discipled by 40s and 70s required me to spend a year. And so I'm, I told these 40s to 70s, I'm asking for big commitments here. I'm asking for two years, a year for you to be discipled and then to show up at an event in Nashville where you'll interact with some 20s and 30s in your vocation. And then you will commit to taking two or three of them and for a year disciple them, which, you know, is in my mind will result in a forever friendship, because even when the year of 
formalized discipleship is done, they'll still be their vocational answer person. They'll still be the older, wiser, godly person they can reach out to, which many young people do not have. But the but the mobilizing of 40s to 70s is not an easy thing. And so I spend usually uh, the months of January, February, and March mobilizing that age group into an April through March the following year training so they're ready for what we do in the summer to connect them to 20s and 30s. Because I've told them, I've said, look, if you're going to invest in 20s and 30s, you've got to first take a look at your own life and your own heart and upgrade some things. And so the very tool that they will use to disciple 20s and 30s, they go through. And so they've been going through it in vocational teams, business leaders, government leaders, um, health, like doctors, counselors, you know, they've been going through it and having conversations about how does this impact our vocation? So um, it is a, it is an uphill challenge, but it's one that, you know, we're feeling God's grace to, to rise up to. And so this year we had 29 and next year I've already got 34 for the 24 um, leadership games is what we call it. And yet church is all about church. And so church just becomes part of who I am. One activity, it's a transaction I have with Jesus to go to heaven. It's not how I live my life every day. Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest things in the Protestant Reformation was when Luther said the maid sweeping the floor is pleasing God better than the person who is doing prayers at midnight because the guys doing prayers at midnight just decided to do that to impress God and yeah. to do what God has called her to do. Yep. How in the world do we have a discipleship um, culture that engages me as an ordinary person to see that everything I do is discipleship, that doing my job well is discipleship. It's not just an instrumental or transactional. How to and and you may address that in a great opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it really does start with uh, pastors. You know, it really does start with elders. It starts with leaders in the flock. And you guys, like in my own experience, until that pastor, like the word revelation, you know, in scripture means the parting of curtains. And until until that kind of revealing happens and a pastor catches it, the only thing that I've been, and I have pastors like that, that I walk with. So we come alongside and we help them like in lion's share, probably 40% of what we do is churches, 60% is marketplace leaders. And so we're involved in both. And, um, you know, if, if a pastor doesn't see it, but their youth pastor does, I've said to them, to the youth pastors, now don't go trying to spread all this, just do well what you do and watch what happens. And it's used like I literally had a men's thing happen at a church where the men's leader understood disciple making, started reproducing disciples. And I got a call from a senior pastor. Tell me what he's doing. I am seeing tremendous fruit. We need this in our whole church, right? When the spirit of God lands on something and there's fruit, people pay attention and it causes them to go like, you know, as we say sometimes here in the South, I want to get me some of that. Right. And so, um, so I start seeing that kind of bleed over. So I absolutely believe the local church should be the hub in the community of disciple making. But because we're not right now, we can't just land there. We have to go to some of these other places as well. Dave, how do we get folks who are watching this podcast and are going, I got to get me some of that? How do we get to <laughs> you? Yeah. So, you know, an easy way um, is just to go on our website, Lionshare, just like it sounds, L I O N S H A R E, lionshare.org. 
Um, if if you go to your um, app store and type in Lionshare Leadership Group, you can download our free Lionshare app. You'll see it's white with a gold lion on it. And that has our uh, daily video devotionals on the character of God. Those are a couple of ways to kind of discover what we're doing. Um, and then I would say the third piece is this. Um, it, it, if you have an interest in, you know, be as a 40 to 70 or a 20 to 30 and being connected in that kind of discipleship relationship, if you go on our website, you'll see an info at lionshare.org email. Just click that and send a note. Hey, Dave, heard this with Dennis and Raymond. Can you send me some information or can we talk? We'll be happy to have our team do that. And Dave, your organization works not only with churches, you mentioned this earlier, but also with businesses, right? Can you describe a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's different ways that we can come alongside societal leaders. We work with people in, you know, business, media, government, of course, Nashville here, arts, entertainment. Terrific. Dave Buring with Lionshare.org. We're so grateful that you were with us on The Disciple Dilemma to talk about a discipleship journey, a book, a beautiful organization trying to develop better leadership so that we have disciples pursuing Christ better. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's my privilege cheering you guys on too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being with us. My privilege. As we've heard today, there are a lot of challenges in making disciples. They come at us from a lot of directions. We need your help to help get a discussion going in the Western Christian community. That's America. That's the United States about the disciple dilemma. Please help us by following us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the RSS feeds with the podcast. You can find us under the disciple dilemma or the disciple dilemma.com is our website. Please like us and follow us. It helps us get the word out that discipleship in Western Christianity has been hacked.